This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Sarah Nash, Senior Consultant at Enterprise Knowledge, to talk about building knowledge graphs. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. So we've done two previous episodes on knowledge graphs, but it's such a big and fresh topic that I felt like we needed more on the how of building a knowledge graph, particularly from the perspective of a knowledge management team. And that's why I'm so glad to have Sarah on the podcast today, because she has on the ground experience building knowledge graphs and using them to solve knowledge related problems inside organizations. So she's going to give us the step by step guidance KM teams need to really do this thing. But first, let's uh, set the scene a little bit. Sarah, can you give us a quick four dummies kind of definition of knowledge graphs? Sure. So I think the best way to describe that would be through an example that is probably recognizable in everyone's everyday life, which is through Google's knowledge panel. So that's one of the most widespread use cases of knowledge graphs. And what you find is most times when you Google something on Google, uh, you'll find information on the top right-hand side that's really specific to whatever concept that you're Googling. For example, over the weekend, I watched the movie Minari. And so if you Google Minari, you'll find that it has a director and a release date and awards that it might have been nominated for one. And those are recognized information about movies that Google knows to kind of mine for or aggregate in a way that's really simple for users to interact with. Another thing that um, is very kind of graph-based in the way that Google presents information is it shows the relationships between not just that movie, but other recognized concepts that Google has modeled. For example, the actors and the streaming services that it's available on. And it provides a really intuitive interface for users to start from that movie and traverse relationships to other concepts. And you can see an actor you know, when they were born, what college they went to, but also what other movies that they are going on. And you can continue to traverse the graph. So that's kind of one example of that graph-based structure that's providing really standardized and clear data models for knowledge and information, and also the relationship between those different concepts. And we'll find that with Google Knowledge Panels, you'll also see it powering recommendation engines, chatbots, advanced analytic engines. But I encourage you all to explore Google's Knowledge Panel as your first tinkering around with knowledge graphs. Awesome. Yeah. So we all, as consumers, use knowledge graph powered tools like the Google Knowledge Graph. But what are some indicators that show you might want to build a knowledge graph inside your own organization? Sure. So there are a few key indicators, and these also kind of flow to what types of use cases or applications you would want to explore first. But I think one main thing that organizations can find is if you find yourself needing to go to multiple different places or reports or applications to answer really what seems like simple business questions, you know, how many products did we sell last year? Or, you know, what's our most popular market segment in this area? Even kind of internal information about who is the best person to talk to about X. Anytime when it feels like you have to aggregate information at a personal level or even in terms of new data initiatives, if you have a team that's trying to, to answer certain business questions and it's going to require breaking down silos, graphs are a really powerful way to approach that kind of problem. 
So a second indicator would be if you ever find yourself searching for something and you just get back a list of links or you know a set of documents, you're getting where to find that information, but not the information itself. And so it requires that kind of next level of investigation. People really want to search and discover in ways that are intuitive, you know, similar to, to Google search and organizations have the ability to do that, but it requires, it's kind of best suited for graph situations. So that's another indicator. And then the last indicator would be if it's difficult to understand the relationships, impacts, dependencies between critical parts of the, the business. And I think one of the main ways that people have experienced this or many organizations that are involved in supply chain or manufacturing this year that require a lot of complexity and, and different relationships between business concepts, it's difficult to do inference with more tabular data structures. And so because graphs are so relationships-based, they enable you to, to kind of traverse relationships to zero in on what might be, you know, causing an issue or might, might be a slowdown. So, you know, across these indicators around finding that, you know, information is very siloed, having search and discovery be in this kind of list format and not understanding impacts and dependencies between different things, they really come down to like, if you find with a challenge that the relationships are more important for the data than the data itself, or if your data is kind of living everywhere, graphs are really, you know, powerful solution to, to pull together that data, to standardize it, and to enable applications and inference that, that are really challenging in, in more kind of traditional data structures. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. And these are definitely I think indicators that are not all that uncommon to find inside a lot of organizations. So next, I'm wondering if you can walk us through kind of what you see as the the high level steps of actually building a knowledge graph. Sure. So a walk through six main steps, and there's obviously a lot of, of detail within these, but I think that this will give people a really good place to start through and kind of structuring out an engagement First, most importantly, is establishing your use case. What are you trying to solve? And, you know, I think that this is one of the things that people miss the most, where if they're finding that they want to work into the graph space, they have a, a solution that is really graph compatible, they might just want to go like straight into implementation or straight into build and not understanding kind of who are your users, what are their challenges, what are their priorities? So establishing the use case is super critical. The next is defining your schema. So once you have the use case and what problem that you're trying to solve, what are the data and information concepts and also the logical relationships between those concepts that are required to kind of answer the questions of that use case? And so that's where you get into your schema. This kind of graph-based schema a lot of times is represented as an ontology data model or another type of logical data model. That's kind of where you would go next. So once you've defined your schema, you want to organize your content and data. We've talked about you might have data and content and information that's uh, stored in different systems, different applications. And so you want to inventory that and understand how that maps to your schema um, and where are all the products or where are all the kind of people representation or, or however, whatever your use case is centered around, what content and data kind of feeds into that schema. And so once you have that and you have both your schema and your content and data required for that, you'll want to apply the model to your data. And this is where we really get into the kind of enrichment, 
standardization, alignment in order to answer the, the use case that you have? That kind of enrichment or application of the model could look like a lot of different things. It's, you know, what we sometimes will look at as kind of a traditional ETL process, but also with auto tagging or MD resolution, there might be kind of manual data validation or other kinds of automated data validation. But after you've applied your model to your data, you should have, you know, a graph-based data structure that can then be applied for different downstream systems. And then the last step, and I think in the same way where people kind of miss the use case step, this is like the other bookend of that, which is prototyping an application to, that really answers the use case. And so you might have your, your data that's in this great standard model and that it's all aligned very well. It's bringing content data information from across the, the organization, but it's not very powerful to show a query of you know, questions you couldn't answer before and demonstrating those kinds of those things in kind of a back-end way, it's really important to show, you know, what would this look like to business users? And so we really find that organizations are most successful when they put together, you know, some sort of prototype that's really answering the use case. And then from there, it's like rinse and repeat. You know, mm -hmm. you want to start really small and prove this out end to end for your first kind of your minimum viable, you know, knowledge graph to start. And then we can talk about how to kind of scale that across the board. But it's really important. We find with our clients, it's best to, you know, move this end to end on small use cases and, and then work from there. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, that great overview. Um, but I know that, you know, in any kind of project, there's always problems that crop up that you might not expect or anticipate. So what are some of the problems that you've encountered in building knowledge graphs and, and how did you work through them? So one of the, the main problems that we see is kind of a lack of collaboration across the enterprise. Some organizations, it depends on kind of where the kind of motivation for the, the graph is coming from. But we sometimes work with organizations that from the their kind of engineering teams, they're looking this at this as an engineering experiment that's not collaborating with, you know, end users or business stakeholders. And graphs really shine in that they're pulling together business knowledge in that kind of machine readable way. And so it's super important to have an engineering component, but you need to have, you know, that collaboration and feedback and involvement across the business. So I think collaboration across the enterprise is, is super critical here. Another challenge that I've seen with organizations is that they will want to kind of boil the ocean to start and, you know, work through all these like really, really interesting challenges that our graphs are really compatible with, but kind of move away from the goals that are really serving the end users. And so the best way to tackle that is starting small, iterating. You don't know what content and data challenges might come up. You don't know what organizational challenges might come up until you really are working through that, that kind of end-to-end -end development through those steps we talked about. And so really starting small and iterating is key in, in kind of mitigating that challenge of trying to boil the ocean and then one other challenge that I think is is relevant for a lot of knowledge management challenges is is the importance of in investing and curating really good content and data from the source level. So graphs can provide a lot of you know quality challenges and provide a lot of standardization and structure to previously you know unstructured or, or messy content and data. But it's a lot easier when you're pulling from content that already has really strong metadata mm. and you know has taxonomies and other standardization mechanisms applied to them that can really accelerate the process. And so 
we, you know, if, especially if we're, you know, working on, let's say, a recommendation engine type of product, it would be really important for you to have that kind of granular understanding of what is the content about in order to, to have it be successful. And so investing in, in great content and data is, is important for that. Awesome. So it sounds like it's it's really important to set those expectations right, prevent scope creep, and uh, do your homework first in terms of your content. It makes a lot of sense. So I always like to close out with a with a smile when I can. So what's your favorite success story with knowledge graphs? Sure. So it's tough to pick there the my favorite moment in any kind of knowledge graph project in the over the past few years I've probably worked on over a you know a dozen types of graph projects and there are moments where you you see kind of a light bulb of that that business challenge that's being solved it's really powerful and for one kind of particular example worked with this healthcare kind of a training organization they provide training content to people who are nurses and doctors and physicians assistants and things like that and they what they had a challenge with is that they wanted to provide their users with relevant content as they were you know going throughout their learning journey and one of the ways they wanted to do that was if someone got a question wrong on a an assessment that they would have some type of course that would provide them additional learning opportunities for that course or for that topic. And so what we did is we started with that proof of concept. We, we went through all the steps we talked about and proved out the use case end to end uh, for kind of a smaller set of their content. And within a matter of two months, we built a, a proof of concept of a recommendation engine that would take in a question that someone might get wrong and provide uh, really helpful learning content for that, that user to continue to, to build up in that capacity. And from that POC, we moved that into a minimum viable product, put that into production, and found that it was you know, reducing any kind of uh, manual work in terms of, you know, associating, manually associating that content or providing more helpful content to users. Then the business immediately found that there were new opportunities to provide other types of content recommendations. And so we worked from that use case to a different use case that was, you know, providing courses based on, you know, what regulatory requirements are provide mm -hmm. are, are required for particular uh, healthcare workers. Then moved into, you know, what types of courses would help meet these competencies. And you can see that there's for an organization that has content as its core, this graph really just unlocked the potential of them being able to provide really customized, personalized, relevant content to their users for so many different use cases. And in, along the way, kind of speaking to the you know investment in great content and data, there were parts of this kind of knowledge graph engagement that really standardized content and metadata across the whole organization. So I really loved you know, we see this quite a bit where, you know, once you once you solve for something for a graph, you realize that there are many opportunities to to continue to to grow it and solve for more. So I, I really appreciated that. That's awesome. I love that. And, uh, you know, having an example from a healthcare organization just really like makes it all the more special um, that these folks are are getting the learning and content that they need to help us all <laughs> as we need. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Sarah. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. It's been a great opportunity. 
So before we go, I want to let our listeners know that Sarah has provided some great resources for you to check out, and we have those linked in the episode description. And once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more about our research, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.